everyone. Welcome back to the Earth on Survival Guide, a podcast for all disciplines, paths, players, and game masters, and enthusiasts like Josh and myself. I am Dan. I am Josh. And today we are going to talk about part four in our six-part series of questers and passions, passions and questers. We are going to go over Garlen and Dis. This is episode 66. You know, only 600 more until something evil happens, but that's just me. Uh, a little numerolo- numerology humor there for you. Uh, if you have any questions for us on anything you'd like us to talk about, if we didn't cover it today or you want to hear us talk about anything else, we got some suggestions last podcast uh, from Joel uh, wanting some topics in the future. We're going to take care of those eventually. So until then, it is time to talk about all things ecumenical and that's good enough. Let's go with ecumenical. So on to Garlen, the probably one of the most popular passions we could probably talk about in the entire litany of passions because most players love Garlen (laughs) for any any town that happens to have a healer or uh, some somewhere to go get healed, whatever, Garlen, yeah, there you are. Uh, she is the passion of hearth and healing. Her elements are homes, children, because they're the life's blood, cares, enclosed spaces, because they make you feel safe, and water, because of the healing waters of, you know, hot springs and all that. So what are your thoughts on Garlen initially, Josh? She is <laughs> very popular. Uh, as, as you said, for understandable reasons, <laughs> player characters, uh, adventurers are frequently getting injured in the course of their activities. And what? Combat happens? Consequently, end up needing healing of some sort. And questors of Garland quite often uh, have the ability to help out with that. Yeah. Uh, as I said, she's probably the easiest one to integrate into any campaign for any game master at all. Uh, we've talked about some, some others that are, you know, pretty easy. This is not too bad an idea to work in there. This is, yeah, this is a big, big duh. It's easy to work in Garlen right off the bat to go, Oh, look, you're injured. You don't have any healing aids with you. Let's take you to the nearest town. See if they happen to have a, a devotee or a questor of Garlen, and maybe they can heal you up because they're the, usually the best at it. We did cover in the Bloodwood episode that they have one of the better locations throughout all of Bar Save. Their healing, I want to call it a temple, uh, is actually got more healing knowledge than most other questors of Garlen do because they are in the Bloodwood, of course. Yeah, there's a, a strong association. It is not uncommon for questors of garland to have in addition to their magical abilities to have herbalism alchemy Mm -hmm. to be able to craft healing aids whether traditional uh, healing or booster potions but also the the cure and um halt disease and poison aids uh so it's very common for questors of garland to also have alchemy or medicine or physician as additional abilities to supplement that Mm mm-hmm and consequently, questors of Garland are probably pretty common. <laughs> As you said, it, it probably the easiest one to kind of work in. Yeah. Associations to kind of talk about things. The aspect of Garland, I think, that doesn't get as much attention is the aspect of hearth and home. I can speak to that, yes. Because the idea we've mentioned this before like the care of family and the defense of the home and the hearth and all of the things that go along with that 
there mm-hmm. can be a martial aspect, you know, defenders of the home fires, all those sorts of things are, can also be in aspects of Garland. In fact, I think it's in well, Mother Speaks, I think the second Earth Dawn novel in, in the Jerol trilogy that has yes. Garland show up. And it's not actually clear at the time. The narrator isn't sure whether it's Garland or mm-hmm. Thistonius. Yeah. But it's Garland because it's clearly a mother wearing armor, mm-hmm. a pregnant mother. Yeah. And, you know, because of part of what's going on with that novel, minor spoilers, involves Reliana's <laughs> 25 years later. attempts to save her children who have mm-hmm. been abducted by Therens. Yes. It's also one of those where, uh, don't just take my, uh, the, in the player's guide, there's a phrase, don't take my compassion for weakness or do not, do not mistake my compassion for weakness because Garlen, as described in the player's guide says, you know, we're the defenders of home. We're the defenders of the cares. We are the ones who made sure that everybody was safe inside. So if somebody's going to attack your home, going to attack your family, going to attack and try and invade yeah, the defenders of Garlen will step up and strike you down, period, because that is, that is their job, as in defense. So some of the powers that Garlen has herself are to heal the wounded, comfort the scared, the frightened, and travel to any home instantaneously. So she can be there in a moment's notice just because you're that impassioned about needing Garlen's help. She may show up. You never know. So... Uh, let's see if we can talk about, uh, so questers pretty much of Garlin, I think would be your very empathic people, your innate nurturers, nurses, doctors, paramedics, if you want to draw a real world conclusion, things like that. Uh, those who are dedicated to making sure that everybody around them is in good shape, mentally, physically, emotionally, those who are nurturing just the healing aspects of overcoming sadness, a loss, depression, things like that. So I think so there's definitely that, but also perhaps in some areas, city guards, city watch, mm-hmm. you could yeah. have a group, an organization like that, that is devoted to Garland that focuses on the passions aspect as a defender of the home and hearth, that the sort of police force or civic guard, like having that organization devoted to Garland as opposed mm-hmm. to Minbruge or other passions that could also conceivably be associated with that could be a yeah. really interesting alternate take on things. Kind of looking at some of the you know, I- ideas of guards and defenders and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Potentially taking inspiration perhaps from paladins, the stereotypical idea of the fantasy paladin being somebody who has sort of uh, taken an oath to defend the innocent and the lay on hands ability that the sort of D and D style paladin has and things like that. Mm -hmm. There are perhaps some ideas that you could take uh, in terms of a religious order, an order of warriors dedicated to Garland. Yeah. Could be an interesting thing to explore in terms of unconventional ideas when it comes to those devoted to the passion. I also know in the, in the legends of earth dawn campaign that you play in, um, of all the players that are in there and all the circling up that everyone has done, only one of them has decided to follow into, into a quest store, as far as I can remember, yes. the ones that have been released. And yeah, and that is Persnickety, and he's following He's following Garland, Garland because Persnickety has sort of taken on the 
healer role, which is not uncommon for elementalists. Yes. Because elementalists get a couple of really good spells that help healing mm-hmm. nicely. Um, heat food. Growth oh, yeah. Renewal is a higher circle spell that does that. Um, they also get mm-hmm. air mattress. And then obviously with their sort of wild plants and wilderness knowledge kind of typically end up picking up alchemy and stuff. alchemy and, and that sort of thing. So that's the role that Persnickety kind of ended up filling and ended up following <laughs> Garland in a yeah. way that totally makes sense for the character as, as they've developed. Absolutely. Just wanted to give a, a perspective uh, since that's a podcast I can, we can point to and somebody's actually doing a quest door in that podcast. And that happens to be the only one is Garland. So I figured I'd tie that one in there. Anything we've talked about every essay. Otherwise, any special takeaways from this essay about Garland? You're just fishing for compliments, aren't you? I was not actually fishing for compliments. I was trying to avoid this as much as possible because I wrote this one. I read it again today and I'm like, oh yeah, her main uh, element is water. And the guy in the essay talked about his hearth and his fire because he's a weaponsmith. And I'm like, yeah, I I missed the mark on that one. But that's fine (laughs) because each individual's relationship with their passion is going to be interpreted within the framework of their own existence and their own mm-hmm. life experience and things like that. So yeah. oh, the weaponsmith, mm-hmm. the weaponsmith we've talked about in the weaponsmith discipline episode that we did, however long ago it was <laughs> a year <laughs> is a very civic minded discipline. They are very yes. based around the, the idea of, of a community, even the, the traveling ones, but there's still the idea of community, which is something that can tie in very nicely with Garland and obviously for a weaponsmith, the hearth, the forge is going to be the heart of their experience and discipline mm-hmm. focus and being able to sort of interpret their relationship with Garland along those lines makes sense. I mean, water is something that is used in a forge in the forge. It's used to quench the items after they've been heated and hammered and so forth. So, yeah, I mean, you know, you might not mention it in the in the essay, but like water is a sort of stereotypical one, but I like that you took a different approach. Yeah. Unusual or off kilter thinking outside the box kind of things. It's all good. That's what I was hired for. No, no, it's all good. I wasn't fishing for a compliment. I was just, didn't want to take credit for the, the essay. I just wanted to stand on its own. You were just being coy because you didn't want to be like, and I wrote this and not this, you know, whatever. No. I, I also know, I'm not that self-centered because we didn't, we didn't do mine first. <laughs> I specifically put the two that I wrote for these, these questers way at the back end. So I wanted to give everybody else the credit. So anyway, your, your essay um, is, your essay is great, Dan. It's okay. Yeah. I don't, I don't need the compliment, but thank you. So let's get into the powers that a, a questor of Garlen, uh, and again, probably more populous, uh, more population is following Garlen than most others. Probably, um, especially if you have a um, adventuring group. (laughs) Certainly within the population of NPCs that you are likely to see in your game, more of them will be following Garland than others, unless you are making an effort to have others be represented. Garland is the one most likely to show up and the one that most likely player characters are going to be looking for. So, yes, in that sense, absolutely. I don't think that... Mm -hmm grand scheme of things if you were to do an actual like population census that there would actually be that much of a difference but probably not within the framework of a particular (laughs) game yeah they probably are going to be among the most numerous that show up 
Yeah, and if they're not, I don't know. I, want, I don't want to know you're hanging around. We've we've talked about it before because uh, a reader brought it up, a listener brought it up, which is what would a devotee do, a devotee of Garland do as a devotion or active devotion because they're not quite as devoted as a questor? What could a devotee do on Garland's behalf? And I think this is fairly common. It's anybody who inquires about your your health, anybody who inquires about your sense of being. So any barmaid, any bartender, any waitstaff in a tavern, anybody who does, you know, turn down service, things like that. Anybody who's just generally overall inquiring about how your player character is doing. Yeah. Or anybody who is being parental, especially ones who might not be taking care of those of their actual biological children. Mm -hmm. But the old woman who is kind of keeping tabs and on the street kids in the town and yes. making sure that they are getting stuff Safe. to eat and mm -hmm. maybe not necessarily fully adopting or taking them into her home, but mm -hmm. being that parental figure to orphans or other unfortunates. Yeah. That's certainly something that, that could be without actually being a questor, but someone who is reflecting the ideals of Garland within their society. Yes. So we can cover that one. So onto the, the devotions and the powers that a questor of Garland would actually get. These are very, very cool. Uh, uh, hence, I've got a player character in my campaign who is a mystic warrior who is following the path of Garland. He does enough damage, but he is absolutely all about healing the community um, and all about healing his own party, especially because they inflict a lot of their own problems. Uh, so the follower devotions, adherent devotions, and exemplar devotions. Follower devotion powers, alchemy, as we mentioned before, conversation, empathic sense, etiquette, Garland's relief, which I think is new. Garland's relief, it's a healing devotion. Yeah. If successful, it heals a wound and allows the target to make a recovery test without any wound penalties, regardless of how many wounds they might actually have. And it, in well, addition, nice. provides a bonus to the recovery test that they make. They use this devotion. They can actually heal people with it. This is like the D&D's lay on hands or something like that. Yeah, Close. sort of. Okay. I mean, it's Fair. still, it still requires the person to spend a recovery test to do it. So it doesn't yes. allow unlimited healing. It's not a freebie. It's, it's not a freebie, but obviously Getting rid of a wound is a big deal. Yeah, it is. And allowing recovery tests without any wound penalties is also a big deal. And providing a bonus yes. to the like, this is speed healing. Yeah, this is this is better than most of the potions. Mm -hmm. By the way, passions comfort we've talked about before. Passions empowerment we've talked about before. Physician, resist influence and seal home. So all not bad things to pick up uh, in your first four ranks. Seal home allows the questor to barricade a building. I remember that used to be a spell. Possibly. Or maybe not. like it. It kind of acts similar to Life Circle of One, the Nethermancer spell. Yes. But this basically sets up a barrier and it needs to be set up for a structure. Enclosure. Yeah, it needs to be sort of an enclosed space. And those who try and cross it, if they fail, they get knocked back and whatnot. Fair. On to the adherent devotions. So powers that you can pick up as a questor, diplomacy, 
we've talked about before. Garlen's Touch, that sounds new. Garlen's Touch. So it's sort of an area effect Garlen's Relief. Hmm. You infect multiple targets within an area, and each target spends a recovery test and allows them to heal some stuff. That works for me. Just had this movie scene in my head of Quester and two people far apart on the battlefield healing them both. Leadership, which I think is underrated for a Quester of Garland to use because you wouldn't They would be the one assume. organizing the defense of the home. Yes. I Again, there are choices in this list that would be more suitable to the defender archetype of Garland mm -hmm. as opposed to the healer. Absolutely. And I agree with that because I think they would make awesome leaders. Life Sight, we've talked about before. Passion's Insight and Passion's Inspiration. I love this next one. Shield the Innocent. This basically is like Seal Home, but without requiring a structure. Oh, nice. You just put up a nice little magical dome again, like uh, the Invisible Woman from Fantastic Four. And then uh, Silence Influence, we've talked about as well in a previous episode. So those are the adherent devotions, all of which are very darn cool. I, like I said, I think leadership is underrated, but you should definitely be in the mix. Exemplar devotions for ranks 9, 10, 11, and 12. Bloom and Flourish. Uh, that's one I think that Jaspery got. Yeah. Yes. It's it's a fertility boosting yeah, it causes effect. plants and things to grow at an unnormal rate, which is very cool for Garland to use, especially because water is one of her main things and water makes everything grow. Gift of life. Gift of life. This is something that Foranius gets as well. Hmm. Questor can spend a devotion point to gain recovery tests, but may only be used to pay for devotions that require a recovery test to be spent. So this basically yeah. allows them to spend their devotion points to help fuel the effects of their other recovery test powered stuff, whether exactly. for themselves or on behalf of other people. This makes the pool they can draw from to use all that. Disarming smile. Uh, that's a Garland, knack. Yeah. Since Garland always shows up as a voluptuous woman. Oh, no, that's a I, talent. Sorry. That's a higher circle. It's a higher circle social talent. Nice. And I'm assuming it does what we think it does. Uh, I think so. I don't have that book. Uh, well, I figure since Gerlin shows it. always shows up as a voluptuous woman, uh, that disarming no, smile is not necessarily. Not necessarily. <laughs> I know, I'm just teasing. Just teasing. Uh, fertility season, we've talked about before as well. That uh, yep. enhances. Yep. Uh, Garland's solace. Um, oh, yeah. This one allows the questor to remove corruption points from, from the target. Oh, right. I read that one earlier today. It is... Difficult and painful and time consuming, but and necessary. dangerous. Yep. But corruption points, which is something that comes about as a result of certain horror abilities, mm -hmm. are bad. And this is one of the few ways that they can actually be removed. See, si, muy malo. Uh, and the last exemplar devotion you can possibly pick up is Thought Link, which is that uh, which is kind a of telepathy between uh, the quester and somebody else. So, I think a lovely batch of devotions you can possibly pick up, mostly based on uh, talents or talent knacks, that really would very well flesh out a questor. So it, it doesn't make them a one-hit wonder as far as, oh, just heal and heal and, and heal better and heal more and heal wider. No, this is leadership and thought link and so forth. And so you get a whole nice rounding of talents for your questor of Garland. And... As we've said before, and I'll ask this question again, 
Should anyone just be a sole questor and not have a discipline to go underneath that? It would be very difficult for a questor of Garland, solely a questor of Garland, as a player character mm-hmm. to be able to run with an adept player group. You may have noticed that one of the things that is not part of the devotions available to a questor of Garland is durability. Yep. While their ability to heal and recover damage is pretty impressive, they won't have a particularly high death rating or unconsciousness rating. And that can cause problems once you start getting a group of adepts into situations where more dangerous enemies are going to be threatening them. Mm -hmm. Again, I think there is enough there to make really interesting support characters. Yeah. That could be just a questor of Garland, because I think the majority of them would be just straight questors and not be an adept as well. But as Mm -hmm. a player character, uh, you would want to be pretty experienced with the system and you would want to be really careful about, about what kind of danger that you put yourself in, because even compared to a a magician, you know, once yeah. they get some circles under their belt, even if your questor rank is roughly equivalent to their circle, they've got stuff that is part of their kit that mm-hmm. is not available to you and potentially troublesome. Yeah. I like the idea of the player characters hiring a Quester of Garlen to come along with them because they know they're going to be in dire straits uh, and having that Quester be a, a an NPC. That way it doesn't overbalance the party. It's not something the Game Master's running to. Um, I have a fifth circle wizard coming along with you guys just because. And then I have to throw you know, heavier things at you and you know take all the time and resources away and get all the points. But I think if the Game Master can just have that NPC as a questor only to help out the party, that might not be a bad idea. It wouldn't overpower. Yeah, but again, at that point, yes, you avoid the situation of the NPC potentially overshadowing the group in terms mm-hmm. of what they can do. But at the same time, their squishiness means that there's a logistical aspect to encounters that the player characters would need to deal with that some groups might not want to. Yes. Which is fine if that's, you know, whatever style of play you want to go with. The other part of it is you don't need a Questor of Garland to have decent healing in your group. As I mentioned, yeah. the Elementalist has spells. The, the, you know, there are a few spells and the moderately available healing aids, booster potions and healing potions and so forth. Oh, yes. Do not require a dedicated healer character mm-hmm. to be along with the group. Agreed. So... I was throwing it out there. I've never done it. I've never actually worked at a Quester NPC as far as Garland's concerned, uh, or a Quester of Garland. I was just saying, if somebody wanted to go down that road, I don't think it would be a bad idea. And I knew you would have other things to say about that. So I wanted to get that in for the record on just in case. This is the one. If you're going to have an NPC to go along with your group, Quester Garland's not bad. (laughs) Just tread with a little caution, but yeah, not a bad way to go. So any further thoughts on Garland? Okay. No, they're, they're an easy one. Yeah. Agreed. Garland's the easiest one to work in without fail. 
So on to the big heavy hitter of the episode. And uh, we got some questions on this last time. On to Dis, the second of our mad passions, who used to be known as Erendis, who used to Erendis. be the passion, passion of order, bureaucracy, and work. You know, not necessarily bad things. Now, Dis is just confusion and unnecessary work and this master-slave thing going on and plus bureaucratic hierarchy and endless reams of paperwork. So, what are your initial thoughts on Dis? Dis is, in some approaches to Earthdawn, probably one of the easiest mad passions to deal with or bring in because of mm -hmm. their association with slavery and the Theron Empire. The Therans actually do not believe that Dis is actually mad, um, that Dis is in some ways seen as, as a patron of the Theron Empire. Yeah. But the association with slavery and the traditional anti-slavery stance of the Kingdom of Thrall and Earthdawn as a setting in general sets Dis out pretty clearly as a <laughs> as a villain, uh, as an antagonist, yes. as someone whose machinations should be stopped. But then there the other aspects of drudgery. We talked about Corollas and late stage capitalism and all of the negative <laughs> stuff that can come out as a result of that. Yes. There are some aspects of that that kind of play into Dis as well without the financial aspects of it, but just regulations and rules and paperwork for its own sake, not mm -hmm. necessarily for the positive development of society or the health and well-being of the citizens, mm -hmm. because there is a place for regulation and bureaucracy and so forth. I mean, and paperwork regulations are why we are able to have factory farms that are producing safe <laughs> foods for us to buy in the grocery store. Yes. Uh, why we are able to trust that the bottle of aspirin that we buy at the pharmacy yes. does what it says it's going to do and is not going to result in unexpected side effects for the most part. Well, and rules and regulations where we have licensed drivers for motor vehicles who we can trust, per, you know, do the right thing. Rules and regulations allow large scale society to function. Yes, that's what they're there for. But <laughs> when you take that to a point where the busy work, the stuff that is being done for its own sake, mm -hmm. there's a, a classic asterisk the French comic slash cartoon Asterix, yeah. uh, which is set in the Roman era, you know, a village in Gaul that is kind of standing up to them. It's a great, great, great comic series. <laughs> I can hear uh, Julianne smiling now that I'm bringing this up. I don't know enough about it offhand to know which one it is in. Mm -hmm. And it was probably adapted from one of the actual comics into an animated thing. That's basically a bureaucratic nightmare where they have to go and get this form and they're sent to this window and that window is not the right place. So they get sent to another, you know, kind of mad, circular, never ending quest Isn't... of the hell of the DMV kind of. I think craziness. there was a scene in The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy 
that had something along those lines in it. Or I know there was definitely oh, probably. one in Beetlejuice. It's a, it's a common trope. Oh, absolutely. It's not only shown up in one place. But that kind of thing, yeah, that is dis. Again, in, in, we kind of talked about with Ragok how the aspects of present-day Ragok are twisted reflections of what they represented before. Yes. There's that case with Erendis as well. Mm-hmm. With Dis now, the work that Erendis represented before was the work that makes society function, mm-hmm. where now it's the good of society has been dropped in favor of just work for its own sake. And the slavery and drudgery, this is office space. Yeah, like Shadowrun cyberpunk themes, wage slavery, and like so yeah. many aspects of that sort of thing can kind of be brought in with the way that, that this is now. Yeah. And actually, this kind of ties interestingly with the email that we got last episode where somebody was asking about undead with regards to Ragok and or Dis. Yes. That you can kind of look at those who are enthralled to Dis in enthralled in the work as zombies to the work. Mm-hmm. Little more than than living dead, filling the cogs in the machine. You know, you think about some of the worst excesses of the industrial revolution and the workers' rights that did not exist. Yes, a hundred years ago, and how people's bodies and lives would be used up in the work of the machine. Agreed. No, I just look at uh, uh, the. The paperwork, the contracts, the slaves, the chains for DIS as the TPS reports in office space. It's just work for work's sake. Just because we want you to do it this way, there you are. So it is the unnecessary bureaucracy and the unnecessary work that you don't have to do. But the powers that DIS has are confusion, and yet they can DIS can instill obedience as well. After reading the essay, because I, when we do these, I read the essays just before we record, the essay as well just left me with this sense of numbness. I love the dis essay. (laughs) I was so happy with the (laughs) take where it talks about the common aspects of dis, but they're all wrapped up in this idea of dis relating to numbness and depression and the slant of that being this is how dis is protecting us from the horrors this is the way that dis is doing it by making us not feel anything there's nothing for the horrors to feed on and that is so cool i love (laughs) how the notion like the ragok one is you know, we've got this kind of crazy, jealous, serial killer kind of thing going on. And the yeah. dis one is just so this is someone who, in some sense, has been crushed under the the wheels of depression. And mm-hmm. it's just At so the, cool. I'm so I'm so happy with that. I think who wrote that? Was that Liz? It wasn't me. Because at the time, I know, no, I, I know I, I'm, I'm flat out. I know that at the time, I don't think. I could have done the same take on Dis, having written the one on Garlen, but having read the one on Dis, if I'd had the first paragraph, it'd been like, I can, I can flow with this because this was, I wrote the one on Garlen after my brother's suicide. So I could have come up with this gray, numb feeling because for about a month, that's all I felt. Yeah. And understandably so. 
this was written by Liz Smith, who mm-hmm. turned in, I think that was the only one that she did, but it was so Bang good. up job. Oh, <laughs> so good. I just like how it makes Dis and following Dis seem so... We get into the mindset of someone who is devoted to a mad passion and how that is justified and how it makes sense within their framework of the of the world. Mm-hmm. But we can recognize kind of standing outside of that, that it's not healthy. Yes. But it's understandable. It's the... It's so good. It's the operational depression. They can still operate. They still get up. They still, put, they still get dressed. They still eat. But they choose not to be engaged much with the outside world. And the followers of the questors and followers of Dis would just, yeah, I get up, I do the same thing, I go to bed, that's it. They choose not to engage. And I can see that operational depression in the essay. Good job, Liz. Anyway, as to the devotees of Dis, not just so before we get to the questors, if they if the game master wanted to lace in the idea of Dis or some devotees of Dis to engage with the player characters. What's a good situation? What's a good setting? How, what's a good way to get that done? Other than having Liz. Well, we talked about the, the framework within bureaucracy. Mm-hmm. And so having the interactions with bureaucrats and requiring the necessary paperwork and maybe needing more paperwork than is strictly necessary and making things tedious for their own sake mm-hmm. is an interesting one. And maybe not even necessarily doing it fully consciously, but that's certainly one aspect. And obviously, there's an aspect of dis, even if you're not dealing with questors, that makes anti-slavery stuff. That's a pretty easy one and a common yeah. adventure hook and so forth. So that's something that you can that you can bring. There's even an entire cult called the Iron Ring. Is that what they're called? I don't have that page up anymore. Uh, or yeah, something so. like that. No, I think you're right. That Iron is Ring. kind of devoted to the the Iron Legacy. Yes. Who who the author of the dis essay actually doesn't have a particularly high opinion of. <laughs> That's a whole aspect of things that you can very easily bring to bear um, when you're talking about having dis as a presence in a adventure or campaign. Any kind of situation where you have a larger society. Mm-hmm. There's the potential for dis to worm their way in. You know, you talk about Carolus kind of drives so much of what's going on in Travar, but you talk about the complexity of the bureaucracy that is involved in just running a city in general. Yeah. And where that is. I think, oh, geez, I wish I had reviewed some of the stuff from the Iopos book, because I think they talk about Dis and some aspects of that as well. Iopos has some really interesting relationships with the with the passions. They do. We'll, we'll talk about that at some point. Yeah. Just any kind of situation like that, where you get people that are perhaps part of a system, part of a bureaucracy, and exerting their 
power in whatever limited way they might have to make other people's lives difficult as opposed to Mm -hmm. easier, that's dis at work. Yes. That is the job that I do every day. (laughs) Hey, do this report every two hours. Uh, Most of the numbers are made up. Do them anyway. Are they going to take any action on these numbers? No. Yeah. (laughs) Why are we doing this? I don't understand. However, we do. The instant a metric becomes a target, it stops serving its purpose as a metric. (laughs) So I was like, I do this report every two hours. Why? Why isn't this once a day? This makes no sense. Anyway, you know, that's, I frequently sit back in my chair and go, this is the path of dis. Anyway, so I know, I know what it is and I can fight it, but that's, that's what we have there. So, but even within that limited sense, (laughs) before we get into the powers. Yes. To tie into like the idea of some mid-level functionary in a bureaucracy making someone who has come to them for help go through and jump through these hoops they are exerting their will they are making that other individual Uh a slave to their wants and desires in that moment machinations yes Mm -hmm. so they may not necessarily be literally binding someone in chains but the framework the system the chains are hoops in that case yeah jump through these hoops they're all interlinked like chains but jump through these hoops <laughs> so yeah i can i can see that without a without a doubt so if you're going to be a quester of dis and i don't necessarily recommend player characters be a quester of dis because this is after all a mad passion this is wow this is like i said you know functional functional operational depression the follower adherent and exemplar devotions so the follower devotions conversation Detail-oriented, which belongs on lots of resumes. Etiquette, frighten, passions empowerment, passions insight, project management. That's right up the alley. Research, resist influence, and steal thought. All of those we have talked about either exist as talents or other abilities or appeared mm-hmm. in our Upandal discussion a couple of weeks ago. Yes. There actually is Absolutely. kind of a dark mirror uh, of Upandal with some <laughs> of what's going on with this. You talk about the like the bureaucracy as a as a machine that chews up lives mm-hmm. and spits them out. The industrial revolution and and the kinds of things that it destroyed in the pursuit of efficiency and whatnot. Yeah. Upandal has a very system and societal bent to them that we talked about Mm -hmm. this is that with all of the life sucked out of it (laughs) and so there are a lot of things that a questor of disc could have access to that would be very similar to what a questor of rupando would do but the purpose that they are putting those abilities to is a dark mirror it's diametrically opposed the conflict like the popular conflict like if you talk about passions in conflict Dis and Locos, who mm-hmm. we haven't talked about yet. Yeah, we'll get there. Are like the two that are most commonly thought of as being at loggerheads because Dis is like the passion of slavery and Locos is the passion of freedom. And they're like constantly butting heads over that. But you could see a very similar kind of conflict between mm-hmm. Dis and Upandal. Upandal, who wants to have these systems that build up and support society and the people that live in it and make their lives better and easier and more joyful. Whereas this would take those systems and just suck the life out of them rather than granting (laughs) life to people. So that would be perhaps a very interesting kind of, of thematic conflict that you could build into a storyline. 
Yeah, so yeah, there's a lot of, oh yeah, there's nothing here that we haven't talked about before with them. <laughs> and I just have a quick little offshoot. I have been playing Earth on so long that I knew dis before the slang term dis for disrespect came around. And so anytime I heard, oh, don't, don't, don't diss me. I'm like, what are we talking about? We're talking about Earth on or not? Oh, we're not? Okay, fine. So I always have those little sidebars. Uh, so the adherent devotions for dis, desolate. That one desolate, new. actually, because oh, it's desolate. a verb. Sorry. Desolate, not the ah. adjective desolate. <laughs> sorry. It's an ability. It's similar to frighten, except instead of instilling fear into the target, it fills the target with feelings of bitterness and depression and desolation, resulting in penalties to the tests that they might make. And gotcha. something and, that and frighten does is... not do. Yes. In addition... Right. If the penalties from Desolate actually exceed the target's willpower step, they start suffering penalties to mystic and social defense and interaction Ooh. tests and willpower. This is an extended assault on the individual's will to live, in a sense. Yes. This is mentally breaking down the target into someone suitable to be a slave. Yes. Okay, and then I think this is also underrated because we are going to compare this with Garlen. Leadership for questers of Dis. Yeah. If you're talking about the slavery aspect of Dis, mm -hmm. a questor of Dis would potentially be in control of a group of slaves. The way yes. that they exert or deal with that leadership ability, the method mm -hmm. by which they use that would be very different than... Garlen or anybody else that would use leadership. And that's the case where you can use role playing and scene setting and descriptions to change the emotional tenor of mm -hmm. what are otherwise identical mechanics. Gotcha. Living death. I think this is similar to something that <laughs> Questors of Dis had even back in the early days. Yeah, this allows the Questor to completely impose their will on a target and perform tasks for hours simply by giving a command. This is the long-term in conjunction with desolation. Mm -hmm. The desolation and living death is a nasty one-two punch because desolation stacks up the penalties on stuff that living death targets. Yeah. It's a combination of powers that allows the quester of dis to completely shatter the, the will of a target or targets, mm -hmm. plural. Living Death has nice. quite an extensive, it, it covers almost an entire page. <laughs> yeah. It's a long-term nasty effect if it's mm -hmm. uh, allowed to run its course. It sucks. Pretty bad. In the good yeah. way. <laughs> Passion's inspiration, we've talked about. Poisoned influence. It's a knack. Gotcha. From the companion. Poisoned influence is a diplomacy talent. Oh, I think Ragok maybe has this as well. Oh, probably. Because diplomacy makes the individuals more favorably disposed to each other. Poisoned influence right. does the opposite. Right. And yes, Ragok does have it. I just checked. Uh, resist taunt, we've talked about. Silence influence, I think we talked about as well. And steely stare. I steely just stare is a talent. Yeah. Sky Raiders get it. Mm -hmm. It's basically the, the, the look mean ability. Yeah, although would, would Questors of Dis look mean or just look like thousand yard disconnected stare? <laughs> it, it, I mean, it's an intimidation type talent. Gotcha. 
their their stare is probably less steely and this is more the practiced blank expression <laughs> thousand yard stare of the long-suffering clerk at the town office who has seen it all and doesn't care that this is a just big because problem they serve you. for you you you, need, you didn't bring the form like you. you need to you know sir yeah. no sir mm-hmm I'm sorry, sir. I'm I'm sorry you're upset, but you need to go over to that window there and fill out an 844J. And then once you've yep. done that, you can bring that back to me and then we'll open the... <laughs> gotcha. So that's, that's the use of Steely Stare. If you've seen that, days. it's one of my favorite reaction images. I've used it on the, the FASA Discord a couple of times when people are getting out of hand. Mm-hmm. The Tommy Lee Jones as the sheriff looking over the top of the newspaper image. Yep. Yep. Yeah. That's the that's the quester of dis steely stare. <laughs> not not there for that. Uh, okay, so that gets you up to rank eight. So exemplar rank nine and above. The exemplar devotions chains of obedience. Uh, I think this is another like super complex. Of course. Oh yeah, chains of obedience is even more than a page once you factor in the example. <laughs> the questor enchants chains. So that all of those within the area of effect feel the weight of consequence and fear of change and accept the status quo. It creates a an enchanted item that mm-hmm. imposes the questor's will on the area, that will being to not. This is an anti-Locost ability because <laughs> Locost <laughs> is all about change yeah. and freedom. And this is the no, things are not going to change. Things are going to stay as they are. Gotcha. Like the filibuster. Okay. In the last one, um, Challenge of Dis, which is also half a page on its own. This is similar to Champion's Challenge, which is a high Mm -hmm. circle talent. Yeah. The difference being here that the the mechanics are kind of similar, but the tenor of the whole thing is, is a little bit different. This is more of a, this is more of a forcing the matter. Uh, where Champions yeah. Challenge does not do that to quite the same extent. Fair enough. And then Compel. I love how they're so brief, but they have these long descriptions. <laughs> yeah, this is, if you think of the stereotypical command word kind of magic from D&D, where you say a word and it forces them to do that, that's what this is. Oh, gotcha. I just read a whole... The Questor issues a sharp, uh, short, easy to understand command that kind of forces the target to do that. Yeah, it's like subliminal trigger words type thing. Uh, and Chanted Gift, I think we've talked about before, especially with Corollas. Submit. Um, this is another of those impose the will abilities. Yeah. Questors of Disc get all of the nasty mind control <laughs> stuff, as they should. <laughs> Submit allows the Questor to dominate uh, multiple name givers, forcing them to bow to the Questor's will. I transcends the need for spoken language. It doesn't last very long, but yeah, it's another. It doesn't stack with with the other ability. It doesn't stack with compel. Yeah, but it works a little bit differently. It has kind of slightly different consequences of it being used. Gotcha. Kneel before Zod. Sorry. Uh, and then undermine. Undermine is a um, high circle talent that troubadours and swordmasters and some other folks get as well yeah as you said some very nasty high power uh social things and a lot of subjugation of will or removing the 
will to fight against you and just succumbing to all, you know, what the world is. Yeah. Is, a Questor of Disc could make a really nasty opponent because of their ability, especially a high ranking one, mm -hmm. to subjugate and break the will of people if allowed to operate for an extended period of time means that you could see a Questor of Dis who has a fairly significant entourage of otherwise sort of innocent victims yeah. that can make it very difficult even for a higher powered party to operate within because, mm -hmm. you know, you're dealing with slaves, whether literal or metaphorical in this sense. And yes, that could make it very interesting. Dis, un unlike Ragok, Dis does not, Questors of Dis do not get a durability. Um, so mm -hmm. unless they are supplementing that with a discipline of some sort, they tend to not be physically particularly tough Powerful. opponents. Yeah. Uh, again, when you talk about, and the particular common image of Dis as a sort of rail thin, almost starving individual, physical strength yeah, the, is not the picture the from the essay was also creepy. And so the dangers and the hazards that a questor of dis as an opponent would pose would be who do they have under their will that the questor is perfectly willing to put in harm's way, but mm -hmm. that the player characters might not be so willing to bring to harm yeah. or that the questor of dis is in a position of significant authority that you can't just stab them without. <laughs> yeah social consequences that come about as a result of that, that the hazards and obstacles that a questor or follower of Dis would provide mm -hmm. are social and mental in flavor as opposed to physical. So what if a player character approaches the game manager and says, I think this is an avenue I want to go down. Word them off, long discussion. How, how, yeah, you know, well, how would you handle that? Again, we talk, we brought this up a little bit when we were talking about Ragok. If it's yes. if it is a character arc, if it is a an emotional beat, mm -hmm. if it is a story thread that a player wants to explore as part yeah. of their character's story, mm -hmm. I think that has a lot of interesting potential that can come into play. Yeah. The problem that you run into is potentially having the presumed protagonist of the story turning into a villain yes. because obviously becoming a quest order of dis as part mm -hmm. of the story and the tasks that dis is going to set to the character in order to progress along the path of yeah gaining more power in dis's service are not things that are likely to be looked upon kindly by the other members of the party Yes. But having a character who is dealing with depression or other aspects of their backstory or recent events that might open up a way for Dis to get a toehold and yes. exploring that as a sub arc or focus of something, having a questor of Dis coming perhaps to try and recruit the character. I think there is some some really interesting potential stuff going on, but like any kind yeah. of game where you're dealing with some heavy topics and potential villainous slants or turns by player characters, mm -hmm. you want to make sure that everybody is on board and that yeah. you're in communication 
all along the way. I and you know that you are keeping those lines of communication open and however your particular group wants to handle that just make sure that you aren't making certain people at the table uncomfortable. Yeah. You know, again looking into resources like the X card or lines and veils and other safety tools like that. Mhm. That allows your group to deal with serious and heavy topics in a safe space, which might seem like a contradiction in terms, but is absolutely not. And I don't have the time to go into that. No, that's now. okay. I figured it's just because their questers have powers and everybody, all the passions have questers and all the questers have powers and, and so forth, that just in case it was broached, because we did broach it with Ragok, did it with Dis. And on, uh, so just for the mad passions, I figured I'd bring it up just in case the player approaches the game master, wanted to have that discussion already ahead of time, just to say, here's the area you're going to be wading into. Here's the consequences of it. And here's what, you know, landmines to look out for as you walk that path. So any further thoughts on Garlen or Dis today? I would just like to reiterate how awesome the Dis essay is. Sure. Okay, let's not talk about the Garland essay. I got you, Josh. I see how you do. No, the the Garland essay is <laughs> the Garland essay is great, as I said previously. But the dis essay, it wasn't the contest. I came in second of, of the two. I got you. It's cool. I got. <laughs> it's okay. As I said, wasn't fishing for a compliment. Didn't need one. I'm good. I read. I wrote it. I, I feel good about it. Yeah, it's good. It does exactly what it's supposed to do. That was the point. It's it's just, just you know, again, it's kind of the way that I talked about how the Corollas essay yeah. brings a different slant for one's perspective. Mm -hmm. Your Garland essay is perfectly serviceable. And and that sounds bad when I say it that way. But it's <laughs> but it doesn't do a whole lot in terms no. of expanding mm -hmm. ideas that one might have, but that's because Garland is such a an easily grasped and iconic passion when it comes to that within Earth Dawn. Oh no, I, I, it, that was the point. Is I made it the Big Mac and fries of what the, that essay needed to be, universally digested and accepted. And there you go. You know, just like the the dis one brought a a, a metaphor it, and a different approach to that passion that I just really really like. No, it struck a different chord with you, and that's what's going to happen. It's okay. Out of the 12, I think, I believe that one had the biggest impact on you. It's certainly, it's certainly in the top there. I Fair. like them all. That's going. I that's like them all, all in their own are. ways. Yeah. Because the Mad Passions, that was one of the things that was a question tickling the back of my brain as I was approaching the project, which was... Mm -hmm. Okay, if we're talking about an Adept's Way style book for the quest, but for questors, yeah. we are going to have essays from bad guys. Mad. Yeah. And how do we handle this? Let's get into their mm -hmm. mindset and recognize that it's not healthy, but perhaps in some sense empathize or identify with where they might be coming from. Yeah. And the dis essay does that so well. Which I have no problem taking second place to of the two today. No, seriously, because it's, I would have to spend a lot more time getting into that mindset and figuring that out. And so I have no problem with the softball Garland essay I was handed. I'm cool. I can do Gar, really? Nobody wanted that one? I can do that. That's easy. Let's go. And so I had no problem doing that whatsoever. So at the end of the project, you were like, I have these two no one else wants to do. Take them. 
done. I no, no problem pinch hitting. Literally pinch hitting. No sweat. Nothing to worry about at all. So, folks, if you have any questions about the essays uh, or the questions or passions you heard us chat about today, please feel free to give us a, a, a shout out at edsgpodcast at gmail.com. Until next time, it is time for you to go either heal or jump through hoops for your own legend. Good night, everybody. Good night, everybody.